It is wonderful that God's given me the strength to be with you today. Amen. I just want to praise his name for that. Today we want to gather really and just praise God's name. Thank him for all that he's done as we look back on the past year. Place our trust in him as we look to the year ahead. As I look out to you, I realize fellowship is my home church, but you know what? I don't know most of you. That's okay. We're brothers and sisters. Kind of like going to a family reunion after you've been away for years, and then you realize everybody's had kids and cousins and whatever, and you know like 10% of the people there. You wonder, how did that happen? Where did the time go? Well, Sean and I don't know a lot of people because we really haven't been here all that much. Good reason the last 18 months I've been either at home or in the hospital a lot. But before that, for the last 35 years, we spent most of our time in Bangladesh. We want to thank you for that. God has used you to support us financially in prayer to be there. We went there originally to work in Bible translation and in preparing a people prepared for God's word. The goal being that they could read, understand, share, apply God's word in their own language. More recently, we've been involved in administration at Memorial Christian Hospital and with our team as a whole. And we believe that God may be bringing us full circle. He's used this cancer to take away every administrative position. If we go back, there's no way I can fulfill an administrative role. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so that may allow us, we're hoping and praying to get back more hands-on in Bible translation and also in training the teachers to use it, training the people to use it. So just pray that God does that for us if it would be his will. As, as we've gone through those last, hundred, uh, last 18 months or so, Psalm 118 has meant a lot to me. I mentioned it in the video that we did, but I want to mention it again. I will not die but live, says verse 17. I'll proclaim what God has done. That's what we want to do today. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he's not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will enter, and I will give thanks to the Lord. Today we want to give thanks. Lord, I want to thank you that he has placed us in a position where today I can be in front of you and praise his name and proclaim his great works. How long that will last, I have no idea. The scan, two, I have a PET scan two days from now. It may show that it, I'm still clean and the cancer is in remission. It may show that the cancer's moved all through me. We have no way of knowing, but you know what? God knows. God is good. Well, however it happens... God, the Lord, is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. And that is the message that God's given me to give to you today. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in want. He's going to give us all that we need. And our prayer is that he would be glorified through our body, whether it be through our life or through our death, for us as believers to live as Christ and to die is gain. Remember that. We're praying that scan comes out clean on Tuesday so we can go back to Bangladesh. But one thing we want you to know is if it doesn't come out clean, that's not a tragedy. That is not a tragedy. 
that's God doing good in another way. Maybe God's moving to heal me permanently instead of just temporarily. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? We have got nothing to fear because the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. And right now, I'd like Sean to come up and just share with us a little way, a few of the ways he's shown himself to be her shepherd over the past year. It's good to be with you. It's wonderful to praise his name together. Uh, Harold mentioned a couple minutes ago how Psalm 118 has really encouraged him. And way back when we first got the diagnosis, he told me about that verse that God was giving him, and I went to Psalm 118. Amazing how many names in there are exactly what I needed. God knew what I needed. And it really fits in with Mike's talk on Christmas Eve about the titles that we people have and titles that Jesus has. So in Psalm 118, one thing that was a real treasure for me, uh, soon after we heard the diagnosis, I saw in verse 6 it says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Now that is good news. In fact, one of the names that we sang about on Christmas Eve was Emmanuel, God with us. This is an awesome promise. He's our companion always. This past year, he's been our companion. He'll be our companion in the coming year. And I needed a companion. When we got that diagnosis, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Here I was supposed to be a helper for Harold, but I was really lost at what I was supposed to do about it all. We were entering new territory, but the Lord is my shepherd. And then that took me down to verse 7, and it says, The Lord is with me. He is my helper. How could I be an advocate for Harold? You hear a lot about being an advocate for a patient in the hospital, but I didn't even know for sure what leukemia was when I heard that word. I had to look it up. And then I heard that it had morphed to lymphoma. I didn't know what that was either. And then he got neutropenic fever. I hadn't heard of neutropenic fever. All these things were new to me, and I was supposed to be his advocate. The thing is, the Lord is our advocate. The Lord is the one that's our helper. He's the one that's with us. And then down in verse 14, it says, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He's become my salvation. The psalm just gets better and better. So he's my strength. We definitely saw that, and you're seeing it today. We're weak people in our weakness, though. He's our strength. He's the one that's strong. He's the one that's all-powerful. Actually, it's been an amazing year and a half. We haven't been plugged in here at Fellowship much because we've been unplugged in our weakness, flat on the back, in the hospital, a lot of things like that. Couldn't go anywhere. But God is all-powerful, and he will fulfill his purposes. Some things that were really cool were Ben Painter made that little video that was able to be sh shown and sent to a bunch of places. That was something that God did. And Or a person in the hospital approached us and said, I'm noticing peace in your life. Could you explain that? Only God could do that kind of thing. Or I would be discouraged, walk out of the hospital, get into the car and turn on the radio, and the very song on K-Love would be exactly the words I needed. I'd get home. Put that song on Facebook. This is a word, song that God's using to encourage me. God would use that in somebody else's life who would then send it to another friend and use it in their lives. Only God can do that. He's the one that is our strength. And it says he's our defense. When Harold had no white blood cells, zero, zilch, big trouble. And I was scared. He got a cold. It morphed into sinus infection, which then morphed into the neutropenic fever. A lot of bad things were happening. But God says he's our defense. He's the one that does the healing. He is our protector. Amazing. And it says he's, 
He's become my salvation. He had become my salvation first when I was just a little girl. But that doesn't stop. He keeps redeeming every situation in our lives. Every minute, he is our Savior, and he continues working his salvation purposes in us. That's who he is. Now, a week and a half ago, we got a call from my mom. When we were there with them for Thanksgiving, she was doing a lot of coughing, and her, her voice sounded very hoarse. The diagnosis is she now has lung cancer. That's new territory for us. She's going in for her biopsy this week. New territory, but the Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing, and we can trust him for that, even in new territory as we enter the new year. So he says he's doing it all for his name's sake. We know his name, and he wants us to know him more. We want, he wants us to know him as his life. In Bangladesh, and when I'm here too, I just do it via email, but I'm involved in literature production. I've got a couple books at the back table. Harold's been very gracious of helping me proofread a bunch of books, getting them ready for publication in Bangladesh. But the two books back there that you'd be welcome to help yourself to if you want to, one is a cookbook travelogue. So it's unlike any missionary biography you've ever read, let's put it that way. So it, you could read a little bit about what our life is like and get some good recipes and cook up some real treats um, uh, from the ladies of Bangladesh. The other one is a book for children called What's the Bible Really Like? In Bangladesh, the moms have told me that they start from toddlerhood to teach their children to trust no one, to not be gullible, to not believe what you, just anything that you hear. They do it for good purposes, so the kid's not going to get ripped off when he goes to try to bargain for something in the bazaar. But the problem is, as you get older, you start wondering if you can trust God and his promises. So this book is written especially for Bangladeshi children, but I pray that those of you that read it will get all the more excited about how trustworthy God's promises are and how powerful his word is. Um, so those are back there. There's also a book called um, The Holy Injil. It's actually an English copy of the book of, Jane, uh, the book of Matthew, especially for your Muslim friends. If you have some friends you'd like to give this book to, grab up one of these books to hand on to them. Um, and one last verse. Verse 28 of that psalm says, turn the page. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. The thing that excites me about that is that word, my. All through that psalm, this is the, the word that is so exciting to me. It says, he's my helper, my strength, my defense, my salvation, my God. We have many dear Muslim friends that know all the titles for God, but they don't have that word, my. If only they knew, my salvation, my God. That's what we desire. And in it all, as we enter the new year, he is our strength and he's our song. Let's praise him. As I mentioned, one of the unexpected things God moved us into in our work in Bangladesh was hospital administration. Now, most of my life, I never darkened the door of a hospital. I made up for it this year, believe me. But uh, not places that I really wanted to go. Hospital visitation was never my favorite. As hospital administrator, I continually found ways not to go into the hospital. Well, God knew I needed to spend some more time there, I guess. But at any rate, one of the major events that God brought to our hospital in Bangladesh 
over the past couple of years was a whole lot of Rohingya refugees. You may have heard of the Rohingya refugee crisis. Rohingyas are actually Bengalis who speak the local dialect from our area who lived across the border in Myanmar or Burma where they were persecuted. Eventually they started a movement, the Myanmar army started a movement of ethnic cleansing to drive them out across the border. They drove them to an area a couple hours south of us in Bangladesh. Now, the interesting thing is we had been praying for this people group for years and had no way to reach them. Almost completely unreached with the gospel. We couldn't get to them, but you know what God did? He brought them to us. And at first, we didn't know what to do. We thought, what can we do? How can we deal with this onslaught? It was way beyond us. But you know what? God had given us the one thing that they needed most, actually, at that time which was surgeons, because there were development groups working in the camps. They didn't have the capacity to do surgery. We did. And God used that to save the lives of many Rohingyans, and he used it to bring them the message of salvation. You should have seen it. Rohingyan refugees watching the Jesus film in the wards of a Christian hospital in Bangladesh. Now, that's a work of God. And God used that to draw some of them to himself, pray that they would live for God and be brought into contact with other believers as they go back to the camps, because we don't have access to the camps. We can't follow up, but boy, can we give them the good news when they're with us. So God used that tragedy to bring people to know him, and that's something that he has done all through history. He used the greatest tragedy of all time, the death of Jesus, to bring life. To all, God is so great, he can take the worst thing and make it into the best thing. Well, the Rohingya refugee crisis was the worst thing that God did to bring good. And he brought good beyond our expectations through giving us, when we were at the end of our ropes, I was wondering, how can I protect my team and still do what God is calling us to do? And God brought us a partner organization, Samaritan's Purse that met our needs and then helped to meet the needs of the Rohingya refugees. So I'm going to share a five-minute video that was done by Samaritan's Purse. In it, you'll see the new hospital building for Memorial Christian Hospital. It's almost ready. They'll be moving into it the end of January, dedicating it the end of February. And you'll also see some representatives of our hospital involved in working with the Rohingya refugees. So let's see that video now. They kicked it into the home, into the house, very silently. Because if, 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 if it hurts our son, they will chase us. So we are frightened if they will hear our voice. On the 25th of August, a huge population of Rohingya Muslims traveled across Myanmar and into Bangladesh through about 20 sites. Some of them crossed rivers and lakes. 650,000 of them are located here in Kutupalong Mega Camp in uh, Cox's Bazaar, Bangladesh. When they saw my elder brother follow him, they shoot on the way. 
on my eyes. I saw also on my own eye, and they showed some the way. So I lost my elder brother. So we are running away. We're a little baby. How can he run? How can he run? So I think that we have to talk him. We have to take care of him because he has his fatherless. He has no support. I have to support him. This is this is my child. So you must take care of him. I must take care of him. So I decided um, this is not my brother's child. This is my child. We have lo we, I love him and my child as my own child. Women have lost their husbands during the running. Some of them know that they're dead, and some of them still have no idea where they are. The one thing that always uh, surprises me is the number of unaccompanied children that follow us for miles and miles and miles, and we ask ourselves, where are their parents? Where are the people that should be taking care of them? A huge proportion of the children here are unaccompanied minors. Conditions in Kutapalong are really difficult to live in. Water, sanitation, hygiene, food security, school, and a huge concern of protection. Samaritan's Purse are working through local partners to provide food distributions, non-food items, kitchen sets, hygiene kits, dignity kits, and also installing deep wells to provide clean water to the population here. One of the things that is absent in the camp here is the ability to treat complex surgical cases. So Samaritan's Purse is supporting Memorial Christian Hospital, located about two hours north of the camp, uh, with staff, medical equipment and supplies. Within 48 hours of um, things erupting to the south of us, we realized that we were in deep trouble. For the last several months, MCH has been providing surgeries for the Rohingyan patients. However, um, their systems have quickly become overwhelmed, and Samaritan's Purse has come in to provide staff as well as supplies to support this cause. So here's somebody who's essentially from the other side of the conflict, and he got a shotgun blast to his left shoulder 10 days ago. The, the love of Christ doesn't know any bounds, and so we're helping whoever comes our way in the situation. We go to the nth degree to make sure that each and every patient, that they are not only hearing the gospel, but they're going to see and feel the gospel for the first time in their lives. The Rohingyans have been tragically abused, um, killed, and essentially run out of their country. For the last several months, I've felt a burden to not only care for them physically, but to be able to care for them spiritually as well. Knowing that no matter what care we give them, at the end they need the love of Jesus Christ.
that's what will heal them. Through Samaritan's Purse, we can do that. So what is it the Rohingyan refugees need most? The love of Christ. What is it that we need most as we face a new year? The love of Christ. To know that Jesus Christ is our shepherd. And because he is our shepherd, we will lack nothing. And that's the passage I want us to really focus on today as we look to the year ahead. We've been looking at all of God's promises for months We need that to sustain us as we move into the year ahead. This is the great promise of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in want. I will lack nothing. And then it's followed up with promise after promise. And God used this passage for me in a special way in Bangladesh. Shortly before we were to leave, I was supposed to teach some village school teachers in a conference. And then the next night, teach a bunch of tribal evangelists. And being a hospital administrator and field chairman in addition to all of that, I didn't have a whole lot of time. So I pulled the old missionary trick of I'll use one sermon more than once. I'll give the same sermon to both groups one night after another. Thought it was a great idea. Make good use of time until I looked out into the audience on the first night with the village school teachers and realized The evangelists had been so excited about the conference and the teaching, they had all come a day early. So they were all sitting there through my first sermon as well. So I'm a Lord, I'm in trouble here. I got no sermon for tomorrow night and no time to plan one. I was in need. And God gave me this this passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. And it was something that they needed. Because as these evangelists go from village to village, oftentimes they sense a lack. They'll say to me, how can we go into these villages? These people have nothing. They have such desperate needs, and we have nothing to offer. And I say, what do you mean you have nothing to offer? You have the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. You have a shepherd to offer. No, you can't meet their needs, but Jesus can. And you have Jesus. You have everything to offer. The Lord is your shepherd. You will lack nothing. And it was God's providence that I focused on that before we left because pretty soon we were going to sense some big lacks as we came back to the U.S. and I lost all my strength. Didn't know what was going on. Was diagnosed with leukemia and then with cancer. And we've been through this cycle where it's more from one thing to another and no chemo worked. And we said, God... What are you doing? And God said, don't be afraid. I am your shepherd. You will lack nothing. I will meet every need. And in fact, what we've seen is that God has met every need for us. Now, what we've seen in Bangladesh is that is a place filled with needs. That's what drew us there, a place where you can have an impact. Don't we all want to have an impact in life? Hey, come to Bangladesh. Join us in addressing the needs of the people there. But one thing we found out, we can't meet their needs. We start to try to provide schools, medical care. It's never enough. 
What we have to do is point them to the one who can meet their needs. By being involved addressing those needs, it gives us a door to present Jesus. And he is the one who's going to be their shepherd and is going to meet their needs. Because we see our hospital doesn't have enough funds. We don't have enough personnel. We don't have enough strength. We don't have enough wisdom to solve the problems. But God does. And God provides. At fellowship, you may say, hey, we would love to reach out to people, but you know what? We don't have the space. Now, I got to say something. In Bangladesh, this would, I don't know how many thousand people this sanctuary would hold. We go to these little bamboo churches that are the size of a closet, and we've got a hundred people, and I know the fire marshal won't let you do that here. The truth is, you don't have enough space in your context. But you know what? God will meet your needs so that you can do what he has planned for you to do. If God wants you to reach a person, you will be able to reach that person. If God wants you to build an extension, you're going to be able to build an extension. The Lord is your shepherd, and you will not want. Step out in faith and follow him where he leads you. Now, here's there's something we need to clarify here, and that's the word want. Have you ever wanted anything you don't have? Probably so, right? Have you ever wanted anything you had no way of really getting? Probably so. I have, that's not what this means. It doesn't mean because God is your shepherd, you're going to have everything you want. It means the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in want, in want, lacking what is needed to fulfill the purpose God has for me. As Pastor Mark talked about as he jumped into his series on promises, 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through his glory and through his goodness, through these he's given us his great and precious promises so that through them, we can become participators in the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world caused by evil desire. So what God, what's God doing? He's making us like us, and he's using us to draw other people to him, and he's going to give you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. God has given me everything I need to do what he's called me to do this year. Even when I had no strength, even when I couldn't get up off the couch, Without help, God has met all my needs, and I have lacked nothing. That is his promise. God has promised us that we will lack nothing needed to do what he has for us. And fellowship has that same hope here. You lack nothing to do what God is calling you to do, either individually or corporately as a group. He will provide your needs. In the next verses, the psalm goes on to lay out some ways that God is going to do that. In verses 2 and 3, we see God will give his sheep rest and restoration. When he says, he leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God will give rest and restoration in a way that nothing in the world 
can provide. As we get involved in serving God, we find right away that we need rest. The Rohingya people certainly need rest. They've been driven out into these crowded refugee camps. And then as we try to meet needs and serve them, we rapidly find out we need rest. Again, we're at the end of our resources. We just can't do it. And you know, a lot of times when we're in that position, we feel like we need to get away. You may feel that way after nativity and after all the Christmas activities and the ways you've been serving. You say, God, I need to get away. You know what? That's not the answer. You ever um, come back from vacation more tired than when you left? That's not the answer. Right. I'm not saying you shouldn't take vacation. I love vacations. But when you're getting ready for vacation, you're kind of bewailing your fate because it's so hard to get ready to go. You think, I'd have had a bit more rest if I'd have never left. Then you get back and there's a big pile of work waiting for you. Getting away is not the answer. Turning to God is the answer. Hebrews chapter 4 says, there remains a promised rest for the people of God. And that is entered only by faith. That's in, we see that in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. And then in verse 9, it says, Now make every effort to enter into that rest. In other words, it takes effort to believe God. Have you ever noticed that? Worrying is easy. Worrying comes natural to us. Resting in God does not. It's going to take effort on your part. Make every effort to believe God, to believe those great and precious promises that he gave us in his glory and in his goodness so that we could indeed have rest. As you go into this next year, think of areas where you're struggling. Think of what God has promised you. Maybe one of these promises we've dealt, that Pastor Mark has dealt with. One of the passages, memorize those passages. Through those great and precious promises, God will give you all that you need in the year ahead. And in fact, he will give you rest. One thing, one promise that you might want to memorize is Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Jesus said to all who are heavy, burdened and heavy laden, weary and heavy laden, come to me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you're going to find rest for your souls. God has promised rest. It doesn't come from escaping. It doesn't come from running away. Rest comes from running to Jesus. And believe it or not, rest comes from taking up a yoke Something that kind of holds you in the work so that you can plow. You don't really think of taking on a yoke as the way to rest, do we? But it is because who's with us in that yoke? Jesus. Jesus says, take my yoke on you. Work along with me, and you're going to find rest for your souls. Remember this next year when you get tired, run to Jesus and find rest. Turn to his great and precious promises. He's going to give rest, and he's going to give the restoration you need as you've spilled out all you've got. Remember, there was 
times this last year when I'd lost 40 pounds. I didn't have the strength to get up. Sean had to help me get up and walk up one step to get to the table. But you know what? I had all I needed. And God has brought restoration. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18, God says to us that no matter what happens, outwardly we may be wasting away. But inwardly, we're renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is unseen, but on what is seen. For what's seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Outwardly, we may waste away. And I may waste away again. Certainly, we all will at some point. But inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And God is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. He said that he has an inheritance stored up in heaven for us. And we're going to be kept safe until we get there and find our inheritance in him. So, this next year, find your rest in Jesus God promises you rest and restoration. He also promises you sustenance and satisfaction. He makes us to lie down and rest where? In green pastures. He leads us beside still waters, food and drink. And not just physical food and drink, spiritual food and drink. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are hungry. And I will give you a bread that means you'll never hunger. John 6, 35, and then in um, John 7, 37 and 38, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and out of you will come streams of living water. We'll find all that we need, and we will find even more. We will find that God will indeed sustain us. God will indeed satisfy us. He will indeed give us all that we need. We saw him do that for tribal people in Bangladesh. And my, did he meet needs along the way. God has a way of solving problems in a way that solve other problems. We as humans have a way of solving problems in a way that creates more problems. It's like the alien species problem. You bring in a predator to control one area, and then that predator goes out of control and destroys everything else, and this we can just multiply that. You go to dig up oil to run your cars, and then you create waste, and then the cars produce pollutants that cause global warming. Good grief, there's no end to trouble we create. God is not like that. When God goes and solves one problem, his solution solves more. For example, there's a, another uh, man about my age who was a missionary kid in Bangladesh back when it was Pakistan. His father was going to translate the Bible into one of the tribal languages. But within a year of the time they got there, his father became sick, died. They never even saw him before his death. He was buried before they even heard that he was ill. 
because you have to bury a person the very same day in Bangladesh. They don't do embalming. So when you die in Bangladesh, the funeral is that day, the burial is that day, it all happens right away. So he was in the ground before they heard he was sick. And their family left Bangladesh. Some of them left with some bitterness, uncertainty. What was God doing? How could God allow this? The work of God among the tribes is over. And they lived their lives totally cut off from the work in Bangladesh. After this man's retirement, he happened to pick up a magazine and read about work among the tribes in Bangladesh and found out there were scores of schools and found out there were thousands of believers. And he said, wow, my dad didn't die in vain. I've got to see this. He came out to visit us in Bangladesh. We took him to see some of what God was doing in the hills. And he was amazed. And God used him to start an organization called Children of the Hills, which is now running 70 village schools. It's now helping with eight education centers for older, for, uh, older kids. And God has given him great joy in life. So God used this to meet the needs of tribal people. He used this to meet the need of Vern Miller, that man, to see that his father had not died in vain, that God had used this and was doing a great work among the tribes. He used it to help me because we had been involved in starting those village schools. They had gone way beyond us. I wasn't able to keep in touch with donors. I wasn't able to provide the supervision that was needed. I was busy at the hospital. But God met needs. And by meeting one need, he met a host of other needs. God will sustain. And as he sustains us, he does more than just sustain us. He satisfies. He's like that drink of cold water when you come in from a long run or working in the yard on a hot day and you think, oh, that is just what I needed. And Jesus is just what the world needs. Whether it's a poor Rohingyan refugee with nothing driven out of their home and sees no path for their future, or whether it's the richest, most privileged person around. Apart from Jesus, there's no satisfaction. It's not just me saying that as a biased person. Look around you. Look at the lives of the rich and the famous. One of the richest and most famous a generation ago, still around singing somehow. I have no clue how. Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. What was one of their anthems? I can't get no satisfaction. I can't sing as bad as him. But anyhow, <laughs> I can't get no satisfaction. If Mick can't, who can? You know? But we can't. A Rohingyan refugee can. Anyone around the world can. They just need a shepherd. Mick needs a shepherd. The people around you need a shepherd when they come to you at a loss. You think, I can't meet their needs, but there's a shepherd. When you don't have what you need, you've got a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and I will lack nothing. As you look ahead to the next year, you realize you need some guidance. 
We don't know where we're going this next year. We don't know where we're going to be. You may think you do, but you don't. <laughs> My PET scan in two days could show anything. It may show that I'm still in remission. It may show cancer. That will have a big effect on our lives. My mother-in-law's got that biopsy coming up. What will that show? We don't know. That has a big effect. But we know our shepherd. And we know that he's going to guide us. And we know we're going to end up in the right place. Why? Because uh, this psalm says, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And you know what that actually means? He leads us on the right path. Jesus is taking you on the right path, and he's doing it for the sake of his name and for his glory. In our organization, Bangladesh, we're facing a time of transition. They've moved to a new leader. They're moving to an era of a new plan. They're moving to a new hospital building. How is all this going to work? They don't know, but God knows. The Rohingya refugees need a guide. They need a home. God needs to guide them to a new home, and he will as they turn to him. I will lead you down the right paths for my name's sake. As, as fellowship, as we go into looking to build a new extension, as we look into where and how God wants us to reach the needs of our community through prayer, through working with special needs individuals through working with all sorts of individuals. There's no end of needs here. God's going to guide us. He's going to show us the right path. He's going to show us just what we need to be involved in, and then he's going to provide everything we need to do it for the praise of his name. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. Now, just because a path is the right path doesn't mean it's not a hard path. It is not a coincidence that the verse after he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake goes on and says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The right path can be a really dark path sometimes. And we, sometimes we can't believe we must, you know, have we gone off the wrong path? Just because the path is dark doesn't mean it's the wrong path. But we have a shepherd on that path protecting us to guide us. I would not have chosen the path I've been on for the past 18 months. But you know what? It is the right path for me. And God has used that path in my life to help make me the person he wants me to be, and to help reach out to others. So it's the right path, and Jesus is right there standing over us, protecting us. When I'm lying on a couch and can't get up, or I have tubes coming all over the place, in me and out of me in the hospital, that's the right path. That's the place God has for me to know him better and to declare his name. And you know what? At that time, Jesus is standing over me with his rod and his staff guarding me. And there is nothing that can harm me. Now, Jesus said to his people, listen, people are going to betray you. They're going to persecute you. 
They're going to kill you. And not a hair on your head will be harmed. Now, that's a weird thing. They're going to kill you, but they can't harm you. But trample death, where is your sting? And we sing praise to Christ our King because death can't harm us. As Jesus was talking about one of the men who had died who's going to raise to hell, he says, don't worry, they're only sleeping. A temporary step on your way to eternity with God. We're going to fall asleep for a while. We're going to wake up in God's presence. Praise God's name. We've got nothing to fear. The darkest place holds no fear for us. You may go through some dark places this year. It could happen. It may not be an easy year. You may face cancer this year. You may face death in the family this year. And God will be with you. The Lord will be your shepherd. He's going to provide everything you need. He's going to bring good out of the worst situations. God has an amazing way of doing that. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, they won't pass over you. They're not going to sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you're not be burned. And the flames are not going to set you ablaze because God is with you. You may go through the flames, but you're not burning up. You're going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, walking with Jesus through the fire. We've had a little taste of that. You'll have a taste of that. It's going to happen. Don't be afraid. The Lord is your shepherd. You will lack nothing. You will not be in want. There is nothing that can happen to you that will remove you from the presence or from the love of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, what can separate us from Christ's love? And then it goes through a whole list, persecution, famine, death, none of it in the present or the future can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord because Jesus is our shepherd. So, yeah, you may face death this year. Probably some of us will. If we trust Jesus as our shepherd, it's not going to harm us. My PET scan in two days could show I've got cancer all through my body. And you know what? That cancer cannot harm me. It can kill my body, but it cannot harm me. I am completely and totally safe. Now, I'm praying that God's going to take us back to Bangladesh. I believe there's work that he's called us to do there. I could be wrong. My work may be in a hospital bed. But there's nothing that the next year has for me that can harm me. There's nothing that the next year has for my mother-in-law that can harm her. There is nothing that can harm you this year. Do you believe that? And there is a reason for that. The Lord is your shepherd. You can take that home. You can meditate on that. Take some of these promises. Memorize them. 
live by them in the year ahead. Make every effort to enter into rest. And you know what? God is going to give you all your need. You're going to have all you need, but you know what? You're going to have a lot more than you need this next year. In the last verses of Psalm 23, God turns from a shepherd's sort of a picture to a host and guest sort of a picture. And it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. All that stuff we didn't even need. And God just pours it out on us. God has prepared a table before me in the presence of my cancer. And we have feasted on him. God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. We've all got an enemy. We've all got something that we're fighting against. And God's prepared a table before you and just poured out blessings upon you. He did that for our hospital. We were at the end of our rope. We had done all we could. How can we meet the needs of this endless stream of refugees? And then right as we're about to give up, God brings in Samaritan's purse. And they said, you know what? Let's go big. We said, whoa. We're all ready. We, we can't do more. We're talking about bailing. And they said, oh, no. God's in this. Let us build two more wards for your hospital and staff them for you. Praise God. He met our needs and then he poured out far beyond what we could have asked or imagined. And then he did even more. He brought in the director of Samaritan's Purse by helicopter to our hospital. He got out the plane. He saw that new building that you saw in the video. And he saw we weren't in it yet. And he said, how much would you need to finish that thing off? And we said, $2 million. And he said, you've got it. I get back to the U.S., the check's going to be in the mail, and it was. And that building is complete. Praise God. God uses tragedy, terrible things, to do good things. He used the crucifixion of his son to bring life to all of us. God turns things from death to life. So we don't need to fear death, do we? Because God's going to bring life from it. God's going to take evil and turn it to good. He's going to pour out blessing after blessing upon us. And that's what we really see in conclusion. How does that psalm end? It ended with one of our songs where it says, God's goodness running after us. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely God's goodness and mercy is going to be with us. Now, that's great. That's unbelievable. And then it gets better. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we have seen that over this past year and a half. I remember one incident where we saw goodness chasing hard after us, literally. And that is this back at the very beginning. When I had just gotten the diagnosis of leukemia, we had to go into the radiology uh, department and pick up a CD of the scan, of my uh, uh, CT scan. 
a CAT scan. And after we picked it up, we had explained a little bit to the woman at the desk about our situation. She gave us the, the CD of the scan, and we walked out the door. We get to the car, and we turn around, and she's sprinting across the parking lot. She's left her job, left the building, and she's chasing us out. I thought, I didn't steal anything. <laughs> she grabbed us as we get to the car, and she said, I got to pray with you. I'm a believer, and we know God's at work in this, and God's called me to pray for you. And she prayed for us right there in the parking lot. That was amazing. At that point, we knew God's mercy is chasing hard after us. Surely his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, wherever you end up this, last, this coming year. His goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And then it gets even better after that. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whatever this year holds, you know where it ends up. You know the end of the story. It's not a tragedy, it's a triumph. You're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And until you get there, his goodness and mercy are going to be following after you all the days of your life. Can you ask more than that? I sure can't. That's more than we could expect. Why? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's just... Say that promise out loud together, on three, all together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That was pitiful, guys. <laughs> We've got to cling to that. That is your hope for the next year. That is the hope for the rest of your life. That is your hope for eternity. Let's claim it. Let's live by it. Let's say that again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And let's pray and commit our lives to him. Dear God, we come to you and we thank you that you are our shepherd. We shall not ever be in want. We shall not ever lack what we need to become like you and to serve you. You will provide all that we need to sustain us. We will find our satisfaction in you, our rest in you. You will protect us in the darkest of times. You will pour out your blessings upon us. Dear God, I pray that each person here will know that you are their shepherd. If there are those who do not know you as shepherd, I pray that you would make yourself real to them, that they would turn to you, that they would run to you. God, wherever our paths take us this year, may we run to Jesus. May we turn to Jesus as our shepherd. May we rely on him. Dear God, I pray that we would believe that you are our shepherd and that we will lack nothing. And we praise, pray these things in the name of Jesus, our shepherd.
Amen. And you are dismissed.